Every time I look out the window, you're out there splitting firewood. And I come out to help you when I can. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of February the 7th, 2013. We're going to be talking today about putting firewood by. You know, I guess the first thing you need to talk about these days when you talk about firewood is will we need less going forward because we surely are not seeing the same kind of winters we've had before. I know. Today, as you pointed out, February 7th, I'm outside in my shorts and T-shirt. I mean, unbelievable, really. It's just weird, just plain out weird. Um, But we do have evenings when it's cool and lot most mornings it's cool enough for us to enjoy a fire. Oh, yes, it feels good then and in the lodge which stays we've pointed out before stays nice and cool. When I go in there for the first time I'm glad to have a fire. You bet. Um, so in a normal year our firewood supply would be well ahead of our needs and the reason is because we've always been pretty methodical about making sure mm-hmm. that we cut, split, and stack firewood and keep it ready so that it's well-seasoned um, when the winter comes around. In fact, that first year, I'll remind you, that we were here, we had a full 12 pallets done easily because there had been a lot of wood cleared for the to build the barn and, you know, just to, and the, to get started on Veg Hill and that kind of thing. So we had a lot of fire, you know, potential firewood, and, and we knew that we needed to go ahead and split it, and we were just... We didn't really have a lot of other projects going on, so we were gung-ho about continuing and the firewood. And if you remember, we headed into that first winter having no idea how much wood we would need. That's true. We wanted to be prepared, but we had like 12 pallets full. We had 12 pallets, which as we'll discuss a little later, works out to three full cords of wood. And, you know, at the time we were doing all of that, we honestly didn't know how much wood we would need, so it wouldn't have shocked us if we needed to burn all 12 pallets. That's right. Uh, that was not the case. We, um, our, you know, Normally, we'll be okay here in the barn on a cord or a little less of right. wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll get us through the winter. But for and and I guess the the first thing we need to cover is why we are so far behind this year. First, we had my injury in the summertime, and normally we would be cutting, splitting, and stacking in the summertime. Um, but and, you just weren't able to do that, especially not able to wield a chainsaw and cut some more trees exactly. down. Exactly. With, with, you know, with a gimp arm as I did, as I had then, um, I really was in no position to wield a chainsaw or even to lift a log that had already been cut to put it onto the splitter. Yeah, some of those are pretty heavy. They're yeah. huge. And we had trees. a series of family crises that kept us tied down and busy and so forth. So that's one part of it. Another part of it is that we have opened the lodge. And the lodge mm-hmm. is now a new consumer of firewood. And as I said, it's if anything, it stays cooler in there so that when one first walks into the building, even if it's warming out up outdoors a little bit, you a fire really, feels good. Yeah, a fire feels pretty good. And you don't even really need to turn the heat pump on. One good fire that maybe you keep it going over the course of an, a couple of hours, you're warmed up. 
you're you're good. And that's that's the great news about the lodge. We we've learned that we really don't need the heat pump in the winter time, at least not yet. Now, you know, who the jury's still out if we have a night when it goes down to 14 degrees if we ever do. Yeah, again. if we ever do. Um, well, and the, and, and let's and, not forget the other reason that we um were down on firewood amounts is we just used a lot of it without any splitting any new. And that was even before you got injured. We just sort of let other things take precedence. We did. We let other things take precedence. So that's where we um, uh, we found ourselves. We were down to only two pallets in reserve, and that's a dangerously low-level uh, firewood. Um, what that means is we were going into next winter, the winter of 2013 and 14 with only two pallets of seasoned firewood, and we know we'll probably use six. Yeah, yeah. So we we realized, okay, we got to get this in gear, and fortunately my arm has come along well, and I am now thoroughly comfortable using the chainsaw, lifting logs onto the splitter, doing everything that needs to be done. Um, the big problem that I thought we were facing is that that splitter had been up on the pallet rack unused for about 14 months and I was just very nervous about starting it so one of the days when you were gone somewhere I've forgotten where you were gone I girded my loins and pulled that splitter down off the pallet rack put fresh gas in the gas tank put the put the choke on pull the cord and it goes and it was underway. That's a good motor noise that you did that well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've been practicing. You understand. <laughs> um, but I think what made all the difference was that uh, the last time I used it, and of course I will now be very careful to make sure I do this in the future, I not only ran the gas out of the carburetor, I ran all the gas out of the gas tank. So we had no gas in the tank or the carburetor to shellac up. And therefore, when I just put fresh gas in there, it uh, roared right to life and has run like a champ. That's great. Yeah, like, I, and I was saying in the intro that you're out there seemingly 24-7 <laughs> splitting woods. I, I know I it's not quite that much. I have been fairly busy these last several days because when we set all this up, it sort of takes over the barn. And I'm eager to go ahead and get it finished so we can get the barn back for other purposes. Yes, we have some other big purposes coming up. And let's talk a little bit about where we're getting the wood now. Our big main construction projects are finished, so we don't really plan on a lot of land clearing happening, but we've started going walking through the woods to identify trees that are yeah, doomed it's, or it's have problems. It's probably worth my mentioning that we had a pile of cut firewood links that we thought, okay, that'll be ready any time. And any time was the wrong way to use it, the wrong way to say it. What I should have said is, it's ready if I'll go ahead and use it now. We let it sit too long. Just out in the sun, out in the open. And it has begun to, it's begun the inevitable rotting process. And when it does that, it stops splitting well. So we've got this big pile of firewood that really we really can't use. We are fishing some. It, it, you can't split it well, but it will still burn. Okay. So what we have done is gone True. through and identify just rounds. That is something that doesn't have to be split. It's a small enough piece of wood that you can just um, put it in with amongst the other 
split wood and be able to use it. So we'll yeah. salvage some of it, but it really is a shame because it's a huge pile, and a lot of it was left over from when we cleared for the orchard. It was. We had all this wood. It, it is such a shame. I'm still using a little bit of it in the outdoor fireplace in the lodge as well. That's good. And but I think, not much. And, we might be, and we've talked about we might be able to use some of it in the fire pit as well. So. Maybe. Um, you know, I, yeah. hopefully it won't all go to waste, but it, it it is kind of sad to have to go out and look around for other trees. Nevertheless, we are. We found a dead sweet gum the other day, or you found that one. Yeah, that and was boy, just... it was huge. Um, and we had our good friend Tom Crane, my physical therapy guy, um, it was doing some clearing on his property, and he said, well, go help yourself. So I fetched about half a cord of wood from Tom's property that I was able to bring back here and split and stack. And that's, you know, half a cord is two full pallets that we have from Tom. So we are grateful for that. And then we probably have a full pallet. No, more than a full pallet from that dead sweet gum. The difference is sweet gum is a lot harder to split. Hmm. You know, you split fresh oak and it just, it's almost like a knife through butter. Splitting sweet gum, even green sweet gum, it's all gnarly and it grabs hold of each other and it's just very slow to split. But we're, that's, you're uh, getting it done. I'm sorry to hear that too because of the trees I would rather cut down on the property, I'd rather cut down sweet gum than Absolutely. red oak any day. Yeah. So. But I, I will say that once sweet gum is properly split and seasoned, it burns just great in the wood stove. So. Yes, yes. And so we're also looking around for other trees that, that are deadfall, you know, recent deadfall, or that look as though they're about to fall over and maybe leaning or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And some damage. lately, um, or, you know, when we finish with those kinds of trees, the next ones up will be those that just look doomed because they've got a funny uh, pattern in them or they're misshapen and kind of ugly. And so we've we got plenty of wood. We're not going to have any trouble getting enough wood, but it is interesting to see us sort of progressing through the, the, the candidates for bringing them down. So as a result of all that we have done now, we have eight pallets filled um, and two more ready to fill. So we will go into the season with 10 plus pallets of wood, uh, which is good. The problem is that we have not allowed ourselves a long enough seasoning period for this wood. Yeah, what would you normally do? You'd cut and split it, split it and stack it and leave it for what, about 18 months? Something like that, yeah. So that it's had plenty of time to season and then normally... I've always moved those pallets up in you know, a full year supply. I've moved under the roof of the pole barn all summer. So it's set in the summer, it sits under cover and there's no additional moisture that falls on. That's right. You can just make sure it's good and dry by fall. Good and bone dry. Well, this year I'm having to abandon that strategy because I've got to get a full, I got to take advantage of the full summer for drying. So we're going to leave those six pallets. We've got two that are already under the pole barn, and they're plenty seasoned. There's no problem with them. But those six plus the eight, the, the two more, so it'll be eight pallets, we will leave out on the orchard floor all summer long where they'll get lots of sun. They'll also get rain, but I feel like I would rather take my chances with the rain and know that I'm getting lots of good solar drying right. on that wood. Yeah. 
and then I'll move them under cover probably around the 1st of September. Right, so that it'll have still some chance to dry out well before we start needing fires because yeah, it really doesn't get cold. Yeah, our first fire won't yeah. be until November. Yeah, so we should be in good shape. Um, well, you want to talk a little bit about how we've designed our firewood pallets? Yeah. They I'm, work ingeniously. It was I'm your idea. really <laughs> proud of the design of our firewood pallets because it, it's, it works well for what we do. Um, we have pallets that are made of two lengths of four by four and then bolted onto uh, four, two by fours and a steel pipe that runs through either end of them with pivoting uprights. The effect of that is that um, once we have loaded a pallet of, with firewood, we don't touch any wood itself until we take it off to put it on the fire. Everything, you know, we, we can move a pallet at a time with uh, the tractor and put them wherever they need to go. And it just has made a huge difference in the, the convenience of managing all of that firewood. The pallets are designed to be able to withstand rain and wind and sun and all that sort of thing. And they will fold flat for stacking when we've used up all the firewood in them. So, so they don't take up that much space when no, they're not being used. No, we can stack used, yeah. six or eight of them without causing a big problem. Of course, if we build up more than f four or five firewood pallets, I'm going to start getting nervous from now on because we, we do need to stay do a better job yeah. of staying ahead of our yeah. needs. Um, each pallet holds just a little bit more than a quarter of a cord. So as you already pointed out, if, if we've got all 12 pallets full, which I guess will almost never happen now because we're always burning something. Uh, but if we're, if we got all 12 pallets full, then that's three full cords yeah. of wood. Yeah. But it would be nice to stay ahead. And not only because we need to go down and do some, you know, cut down these damaged trees, et cetera, to, to use for firewood and get that split. But also I'm running very low on wood mulch for the garden. True. So whenever we go down and we cut down one of those trees, a lot of the smaller stuff and even some things that are surrounding it out in the woods, uh, debris left from the loggers, that kind of thing, we end up um, mulching while we're there and it comes in handy for that. So yeah, many are, reasons. We to... are very low on mulch right now. So yeah. you're right. We do need to do that in addition to the firewood. But I guess my Focus at this point right now is just to get the firewood on the pallets, get the pallets out on the orchard floor so they can start soaking up the sunshine. Um, and then perhaps the next task is to go ahead and get some mul some uh, yeah. wood mulch. Which was produced. another thing that got behind. We didn't get to do as well when you were in the first stages of your injury. But now that you've uh, healed so much, um, you're able to help with the mulching and do, because a lot of it, the strength, let's face it, when we get a really big stick, it takes your upper body strength to poke that thing down Yeah, in there. and my upper and, body strength was seriously lacking yeah, for yeah. so long. And, and I'm sure you are tired of hearing about that injury, but it really was, um, it, it changed this year in some fundamental ways. I think it's worth, and, and we talked about this when you first had the injury, and we talked, we had a podcast almost devoted to that, that part of what we try to do with these podcasts is to talk about challenges as well as you know victories that that happen in the course of trying to write, run a farm 
And one of the challenges is if somebody's disabled, if someone's injured, um, and in ways that prevent you from being able to do everything you need to do physically. So that's why I think it's good that we're able to share our experiences about this and happily to report healing and that you're progressively, I mean, every week we can tell a difference in how well you're doing. But it gives me empathy for a person who's unable to um, to carry out tasks. Um, you know, I sort of threw my back out last year with my gardening. I was leaning, bending over in ways I shouldn't have been at my age. And, um, you know, it, little things like that teach us, and big things like your injury, teach us that um, there's more to the farming enterprise and the horticulture enterprise than just, you know, what seeds you buy and where you plant them and soil tests that, that it has to do with physically being able to carry out certain tasks. And yet, in the depths of my injury, when every time I went to physical therapy at Tallahassee Rehab, I was reminded of just how fortunate I am because I am surrounded by people, many of whom are in much worse shape than I. Yeah. So it's a sobering and humbling mm-hmm. to see the the kinds of challenges that people around us are facing every day and they just carry on. So you just have to stand in awe of the human spirit. Right. Well, I think that's a fairly positive note on which to end our podcast. And um, we hope that in the coming weeks we'll have good news to report about not only how well you're doing, but also things we're planting in the ground. I took delivery of some lettuce yesterday, and I've got some onions I need to put out. So we might be getting back to talking about new plantings. How about that? Wouldn't that be fun? And three new fruit trees. And you and I are um, doing a lot of speaking. Uh, We've just finished a nice session with the folks in Dallas County, and we've got one coming up next week. No, two coming up next week. So we're going to be busy, folks here in these next few weeks and enjoying it. Well, we hope you have a great week and we will catch up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.